Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raptors Over Everything. My name is Iman, and today I am joined by Cashton. Cashton, how are you? I'm really good. Thanks again for having me. Um, I'm in my normal home the last time I was in my parents' place, so I'm at peace with everything that's going on in the Raptors world today. I'm glad someone is. (laughs) I'm lying, by the way. So for those of you guys who don't know, currently in mourning, uh, Damian Lillard is a Milwaukee Buck, but I've muted all of those words, so I will never have to repeat that ever again. Um, But today we're here to talk Toronto Raptors, and we're actually here to look at some of these players that are on the team, so we don't have to fantasize about bringing other people, and talk about some of their roles that they're going to have. And the person I want to start with is because I'm bringing, I brought in, I brought in the big guns for this one, right? Like, if we're going to be talking about Pascal Siakam, we've got to bring in Pascal Propaganda himself. Um, So let's start off with, with Pascal Siakam. And I want to do a player preview. If you guys have not checked it out yesterday, Amit and Usad did a pl- player preview. They went over some guys. Today we're going over some guys. So do check that out as well. Um, But I want to start off with an article that came out yesterday. It was really about missing out on Damian Lillard. But in there, there was a tidbit that caught my eye. I have the exact quote here. So Michael Grange put out this article for Sportsnet yesterday, and he mentioned that there have been no talks on contract extensions for Pascal Siakam, which I want to know what your take is on that. And I want to know what you think this means for Pascal this season in particular. So my take on this, uh, this this is what broke me. I, I think anyone who's followed me on Twitter for the last little while knows I am a serial optimist. I like to feel good about the team. It's not that serious. Uh, this this to me is like uh, a bridge too far. Um, just to lay this out, right? Let's say they don't give him a contract extension. You're really forced into two choices. Either you trade him at the trade deadline because you feel you don't have a chance to re-sign him this summer. Uh, and you lose all of your leverage, really, because we saw how that played out with Fred Van Vliet last trade deadline. Or you go into this offseason in an attempt to re-sign Pascal Siakam, where he is, without question, the best free agent in the 2024 free agent class. I went through it yesterday. It's Pascal Siakam, age 30, 35-year-old DeMar DeRozan, 34-year-old Clay Thompson. And by the way, OG Ananobi is probably the fourth, <laughs> maybe the second, who knows, at the end of next season. So they've put themselves in an unnecessarily difficult position because we've heard through reporting that Pascal Siakam wants an extension. He wants to be in Toronto. And all of this hand-wringing about, oh, do you want to be paying 33-year-old Pascal Siakam a max contract? Drew Holiday, a 33-year-old Drew Holiday netted you Damian Lillard. And really just, you know, Grayson Allen, you know, prospect and a pick. So any sort of concern about what a 33-year-old Pascal Siakam would look like on our books just went out the way. There's no real downside to this. Are we seeing aging in Siakam where we're like, no, don't want him at 33? 
like we know that guys we we know that guys careers continue to extend and also what is that mm-hmm. money going to when people are like don't want to pay this person okay so who do you want to pay because you have to pay somebody and if it's not going to be the best player on your team currently as he's you know 29 and is showing no signs of slowing down then who is it going to be why are we so pressed about MLSE's pockets they're fine I, I think you've raised some really good points because the actual opportunity cost of signing Pascal Siakam is is minimal because if you let him walk next summer, you don't actually have cap space. You have to retain Gary Trent yeah. Jr. You have to retain OG Ananobi. We might talk about it a little bit later, but the contracts of Precious Achua and Malachi Flynn are both up. Maybe there are big paydays coming for them in the new Darko system. Who knows? Uh, so you're 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 in a position where you might as well get some of this business done early. Yeah. And we saw the impact that these outstanding contract situations had on last season's team. Yeah. Uh, the influence it had on Gary Trent Jr., on Fred Van Vliet, then bringing in a Jakob Pertl uh, at the and trade chemistry. deadline. Exactly. And chemistry. We talked about this team playing incredibly selfish. I think if you have three of your top six players all up for contract extensions, you're going to get some, some it's my turn to shine <laughs> moment. And the, the challenge is, we now have, in, last year it was three, this year it's Pascal, it's OG, it's Malachi, it's Precious, it's Gary Trent Jr. That's five. That's five if you're playing. We're going to go into <laughs> next season with, with literally just Scotty Barth and Jacoperto on the roster. That's, um, that's it. That's all you need. Um, but I think your other question was, like, how it will influence Pascal? And I think yeah. the good part about Pascal is he's proven to be a professional. We know last season that there was some contract discussion. He decided to go for all NBA to make himself eligible for that Supermax extension. Uh, I think for the most part, he acquitted himself really well uh, last season, uh, really over the course of his Raptors tenure. Other than the Tampa season, he's been sort of a model citizen uh, for for the Raptors. Uh, there's really been no off-court issues, anything like that. Nick Nurse and is then, gone now. We can just blame Nick Nurse for Tampa. We, uh, just, you know what? Nothing ever happened in Cleveland. It's all fake news. Uh, he was <laughs> just giving everyone a pep talk, and it got blown out of proportion. Uh, <laughs> so I, I think I, in terms of what to expect from him, I, I know what to expect. Where I'm in the dark, and when we start talking about sort of the specifics of Pascal Siakam on the court, is we've gotten precious little from Darko, even from Masai and Bobby, on what role Pascal Siakam plays in the 23-24 Raptors. We don't really know anything specific about him. We've Everything we know is through the absence of information and what's been said about Scotty Barnes and Jakob Pertle. We know that Darko wants the ball in Scotty Barnes's hand more. Uh, we know he wants it with Jakob more. By you know, process of elimination, that means it has to be in someone else's hands less. Um, so your highest usage player is probably going to see a little bit of a dip. So what that means for him, probably trying to get him spotting up more, off-ball cutting more, maybe using him as a screener more often, uh, which he's okay. You know, he's a Swiss army knife of a player, so he's able to do it all. So I, I think that's really where I'm curious to see is this black box of what comes next. How are they using him on the court? I'm really glad you said that because it's, really strike me as being very odd how little Pascal Siakam talk there has been when your best player is expiring as a contract and you obviously need to retain as much talent as possible. People have talked at nauseam about the losing of everybody from that championship team. I think he would be the last person who played 
um, in the playoffs at the very least mm-hmm. um, from the championship team and obviously was a giant contributor on that team. Um, if they lose him, it's 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 scary times, but there's been no talk about what his real role is. There's been talk about everybody else. And maybe that's because to be an optimist here and to play devil's advocate, and I don't know how much I truly believe this, maybe it's just like, we know what Pascal is. We know what he can bring. We know how... Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about Fred needed the ball in his hands. Pascal is better to put the ball in his hands, better for your team if that happens. But we know that like Pascal can be an excellent cutter. Pascal's not an elite shooter, but you can have him spotting up. He's his catch and shoot numbers, at least pre-All-Star last year, were pretty good. They just really dipped, probably because he was carrying the giant load that he was carrying. So maybe um a little bit less of a role in having other guys step up as part of this offense matters. And maybe that's why there's so much focus on everybody else because it's mm-hmm. about getting everybody else involved. And maybe um, there's no talk about contract extensions because Siakam wants to try to make all NBA because Siakam is looking for that super max. It's sort of a Jalen Brown situation last year. That's possible. <laughs> um, it remains to be seen, but if I'm just going to put, you know, an optimistic spin on this, I think that that's sort of, where people can be can uh mm-hmm. can look at this at if you if you want an optimistic spin on all of this that's that's what that's where you should probably uh be focused on and i think that's maybe fair I, yeah to, uh, you know sorry my my brain no. instantly went to if i'm a brand new head coach i'm probably interested in talking about what my highest usage player looks like on the court <laughs> similarly if i'm the member a member of the media which i am definitively not <laughs> um the the you know an interesting question might be hey new coach uh well how do you intend to use your best player um yeah. I, you know I, I don't want to be too uh uh big-brained about that but that, that feels like an interesting question but i i agree i i think there's a possibility that you know if offered he might sign a contract extension i have no sort of personal first-hand account knowledge of that but uh I, there's you know he's a competitive player like anyone else like why wouldn't you think i could make all nba and go for it and try to get yeah. that super max extension. Uh, it'd be very interesting. I, like I said, there's going to be a few teams with cap space. We know the 76ers are loading up a ton of cap space for next summer. And he's going to be the best free agent. All these other players have signed extensions. He's going to be the bell of the ball. <laughs> so, I need to delete you know. all of my tweets about wanting to see Team Cameroon. <laughs> I don't want to see it. Me too. <laughs> I don't want to see it, actually. Oh. Well, Joel Embiid might become French or American by October 10th. So I know, but I don't want I I don't want to see it in the NBA. <laughs> like that's, I would that's love fair. to see it in FIBA. I would love to see it in yeah. FIBA. Just like no, save it for FIBA. Save yeah. it for FIBA. Um, <laughs> no, it's I, I think that's like a very very fair point. Um, about Pascal Siakam. Okay, let's let's shift a little bit to on court. Sure. Mm-hmm. Let's shift a little bit to on court. So Siakam is somebody who improves continuously every year. This season, I want to look at, you know, we, we talked about him being an All-NBA player. We are talking about him being the best player, but that doesn't mean that there isn't room for improvement for Siakam as well. <laughs> um, what areas are you looking to see him really improve on this season? And and because I, I think, you know, part of Grange's article was really about they want to see how he fits in Darko's system before committing to him, which like, what? he's the system. You could like, <laughs> he's the system. You make sure Darko can commit to him. But um, sure, uh, front office is smarter, much smarter than I am. So, um, but what would you like to see him improve on? What do you think the front office maybe is looking for him to improve on if those are two different things? I think the first thing I'm personally looking to see him improve on is really a reduction. 
He's led the league in minutes played per game for the past two seasons. Yeah. No player in the 21st century has done it three straight seasons. I would I I would make a strong bet that he does not lead the league in uh, minutes per game. The then the things that follow the ripple effects of that are how can you be more efficient in the minutes you do play? Uh, so if you're playing fewer minutes, does your spot up percentage on threes go up? Uh, are you better at the free throw line? Do we see a greater defensive impact both with fewer minutes played and perhaps a more conventional uh, style of defense that sets some of your defenders up for uh, success? Uh, you know, we can see on the court, certainly players like OG and Anobi and maybe to a lesser degree Pascal, uh, really effective def as defenders, but the metrics don't bear that out based on just how frenetic a scheme they played last season. I think by playing fewer minutes, having a more or relatively speaking, conventional defense. Those are the kinds of things that how can you, rather than playing 37, 38 minutes a night, scaling that back to 33, 34, can you still produce at the same level with greater efficiency and make a greater impact on, on the defensive end? I think, you know, I alluded to this earlier too. I also anticipate they're going to see a greater variety of play type. I don't think you're going to see quite as much isolation. Uh, you might see him do a little bit more as a pick and roll ball handler, but I suspect if they've already said Scotty Barnes is going to be one of the lead ball handlers, Jakob is going to be a bit of a hub. I would expect to see an increase in Pascal's uh, play types for cutting, for screening, for spot up shooting, and his points per possession on all three of those play types uh, have to improve if he's going to thrive in, in this new Darko era where his contract's on the line, he better. So. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, those are the areas. The really NBA spot is is on yeah. the line, Pascal Siakam. Um, and and what what do you expect from him this season if that differs at all? Um, I don't actually expect it to differ too much. I mean, he's a player who can really fit in wherever you need him. Yeah, we've seen especially the last two seasons they would throw out lineups where he's effectively both the point guard and the center. Yeah. And he's able to run the offense, grab the you know the defensive rebound, bring the ball up, and somehow set himself up for an efficient shot. So they can really slot him in anywhere. I think where I'm most curious to see him get easy baskets is, again, cutting. I yeah. think with Jakob as a passer, Scotty as a passer, there's an opportunity there for him to find seams in the defense and, and slither his way to the basket and finish. He, for the most of his career, has been one of the best finishers within three feet of the basket, you know, 70%, 75% and up. I think anything that gets him as close to the basket as possible is a good thing. The other thing that's emerged in the last two seasons is his finishing and efficiency within five to nine feet of the basket, too. And really, I, I think the way the Raptors are going to be defended with so little spacing he's going to have to continue to affect the game in those sort of in-between spaces, but probably have to do it in getting by getting to his spots yeah. uh, without, you know, five or six dribbles. It might just have to be off of a cut and maybe one dribble. So being able to do that is, uh, it's not so much showing that he can, it's showing that he can do it again. If that makes sense. Now I com I'm completely with you, but it's funny as I'm just sort of picturing Siakam, I'm like, with what space? <laughs> <laughs> and, and and because you know Pascal Siakam is of course not you know an elite shooter by any stretch but he's one of the best shooters on this team are we gonna see him spot up quite often because they'll have to the list like is he but is he going to be does he have to be how am I how am I trying to phrase this with so little spacing on the court does he have to be one of you, like 
are we going to see more OG Siakam and that he's just sort of spotting up in the corner and we're like, what are you doing? Get involved. Are we going to, because we saw that a lot in fourth quarters this season, I felt like. Um, yeah. And do you think that that sort of carries over or do you expect Darko's offense to, you know, I guess not do something like that? I would expect like the, the reason for Darko optimism to me is everything we've heard about really quick decision-making. And yeah. that's the antithesis of what we saw from the, the Raptors of, of last season. They yeah. they wanted to pound the air out of the ball, get to a specific matchup, and try to make a play. And by the fourth quarter, you're right. Like Pascal, and there was a stretch that West Coast road trip in March where again, it's a six or seven game sample size, something like that, where for the entirety of games, Pascal was just camping out in the corner. Yeah. I no idea what was going on with the team at that point. It did not look like a fun place to be or to play. Um, so I think this season, it'll be all about how do you get everyone involved and bring yeah. that joy of the game? Um, because you're right. You go through the roster. I mean, Gary Trent Jr., OG Ananobi. Uh, we'd expect Grady Dick to be one of the best shooters on the team. And if Otto Porter plays, he's probably one of the best. And then at that point, you're you're looking at Pascal. And yeah. he's, he's in, in different sort of configurations. He's shown flashes for a season at a time you know the 2018-19 season he was a really effective three-point shooter in the corners yeah. I think there will be a lot of those looks available to him this season I think if you look at you know the following season his pull-up three-point percentage was outstanding and there have been stretches of time where he's been able to recapture that I think it's about putting all of those pieces together yeah. and if it's a matter of just keeping him fresher so bringing his minutes from 38 to 34 does that have sort of an incremental effect on on his efficiency throughout the season? And because we've seen how he started seasons, like he I was looked... going to say, if you go by the numbers, you if you flip the numbers from beginning of the season to end of the season, mm-hmm. and again, you said it, he's been leading the league in minutes the last few seasons. I think the you know the season before that he was top seven or something. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it's not like uh, there was any sort of like he, he was not leading the league in minutes at any point. Um, you go through his seasons and you do splits of pre-All-Star, post-All-Star, there's a significant drop-off quite often in his efficiency. And I have to imagine a large part of that is the load that he has to carry for this team. And mm-hmm. and maybe it's a good thing. Um, definitely it's a good thing that we're starting to get other people involved in the offense. And we'll talk about um, we'll talk about Jakob at the very least uh, in just a little bit. But before we do that, I want to talk about the other person who was up for an extension. Um, mm-hmm. And that's OG Ananobi. Now, OG Ananobi is up for an extension. I don't expect him to sign an extension just because we just saw what Jeremy Grant just made. So for those of you guys who don't know, um, because of this new CBA, OG Ananobi can make up to 140% of his previous salary. So he can take a one, 140% bump. Um, it used to be 120%, which meant he could have maxed out at around $100 million for the course of four years. And now it jumps up to around $117 million. But Jeremy Grant just made a lot more than that in waiting for free agency. And so I would imagine that OG Ananobi is looking at that and doesn't really have any incentive to sign an extension, knowing that he should command that in the open market. You just mentioned it when you said that there are not a lot of really great free agents right now. Um, so OG Ananobi stands somewhere at the top of that class and should probably get that money from Toronto or, you know, get a lot of money from somewhere else, more than $117 million at the very least. Um, but I want to get into him this offseason. Do you have anything to say about his contract extension? Do you have any anything to add no, there? I I mean, 
I'd, I'd, you know, take $117 million if you won't, but uh, <laughs> I'd take $100 million. I'd, I'd take a million dollars. NBA, I'd, you I'd, can pay me. I'd do I'd something. I'd take a 20% bump. Uh, forget it. Anyways, uh, no, I, I think uh, you, you laid it out. There's really no reason for him to take it. Like the way the market's breaking and the way his archetype, uh, player archetype is valued. There's no real reason for him to sign a contract extension. I don't think it's any slight to Toronto. I think there's, you know, some speculation as to, you know, how he perceives his own role, yeah. you know, similar to Jeremy Grant circa Denver era yeah. when he made the decision to go to Detroit. Um, you know, I, I don't think OG deciding to leave for Toronto for another situation would cost him a championship in the same way it cost Jeremy Grant. But, uh, you know, I, I think that's an interesting sort of uh, player archetype to, to compare him to to some degree uh so no i think i think you summed it up i i i would set the probability of him signing an extension at exactly zero percent i don't think there's any chance yeah me either me either it, it's funny because <laughs> denver then needed a big wing and it's like aaron gordon had that time as the main guy and i was like this isn't for me i'm gonna go be a role player Sometimes you just need to learn you just it's the opposite right aaron gordon had that yeah. like realization realization early on in his career jeremy grant has it now um but yeah, that's it very happens. funny actually that's sort of the symmetry of their careers is, is quite interesting i didn't <laughs> put those two together that's really funny <laughs> oh gee please learn please please yeah it's um, never too late yes it, it is never too late he already has a championship though um yep. all right so let's get into what do you what would you like OG to improve on? What he is sort of taking, he wants a bigger role. He's been talking yeah. about having a bigger role for a long time. What does a bigger role for OG Ananobi look like? What do you expect him to sort of be satisfied with? And then um, we'll get into the second part of like, what do you actually want him to improve on? Yeah. So what, what do I expect him to be satisfied with? That's such an interesting, um, and, and uh, you know, just speculate. I think yeah. he wants the ball in a role similar to, like, I don't see him as someone who envisions himself as a point guard. I don't think yeah. he had, you know, point guard in his IG bio at any point in his life. I think he... OG still averages more turnovers than assists on drives. And again, yeah. there's no spacing and he is yeah. your spacer. So when he's driving, there's just, there's nothing, no yeah. room to operate under. But you can't really expect to be a point guard when, um, when that's something that you're doing. Yeah, and I, to be honest, I think what I would expect him to be satisfied with is probably, you know, a little bit of an uptick in his, you know, lead ball handler possessions where he can get to his, you know, dribble packages that he works on and, and take some of those step back threes that he likes, get into the mid-range spots. Like, just taking the, the you know, superstar profile type of shots. Yeah. Is that what I would expect? Like, you know, if, if Pascal Siakam's scaling those back, I don't expect to see OGN and be scaling those up. So there's potential for friction or some tension there uh, between expectations and reality, uh, which, you know, uh, I, I, in terms of where I'd like to see him personally improve, you yeah. touched on it. Like when he drives to the basket, maybe turn the ball over a little less. You know, I think that's, that's sort of at a baseline. You want to make the most of the possessions you're given to yeah. warrant being fed more and more possessions. You, sort, you look at the the journey of a player like Pascal Siakam, where you know it comes off the bench and demonstrates the capacity for growth starts and over the course of that season when Kawhi Leonard sits shows the capacity for more and more and more and they yeah. throw him the keys for the 2019-2020 season and he just uh, you saw exponential growth yeah. from him to warrant that further investment i think with OG he hasn't had you know in part due to Siakam's durability and other factors 
hasn't really had that extended run where he's had the the first option, you know, sort of touches. We saw it a little bit in the 21-22 season with with Pascal's uh, shoulder surgery. Yeah. Uh, and there was there were again some flashes there at the New York uh, Knicks career high game. I think in the context of this offense, again, just basing this purely off of the inference of uh, Darko's uh, interviews, it's about maximizing those possessions, uh, being that floor spacer. Maybe I'd like to see him improve as a movement shooter. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Uh, yeah. so can he come off of screens and and hit threes as opposed to being strictly a catch and shoot type of option? Uh, so I think it's a lot of things on the margins and then making the most of the possessions where, you know, a play breaks down and you you need to go and get a bucket, you know, being more efficient in those spots. Yeah, and I, this is this is going to be a really big year for OG Ananobi. I mean, in terms of his contract, I think he's going to get whatever he wants. <laughs> I think he's proven himself. Yeah, um, he especially it. defensively. He definitely, definitely deserves it. And he's he's. He's way more than just a three and D guy. I understand him wanting those additional roles. Um, I'm, well, I guess you sort of touched on what we sort of expect from him next season. I'm, I think I'm most interested to see what OG Ananobi looks like next season. I think if there's going to be one player that I'm sort of circling in, just because like Siakam's a superstar, I don't, I'm just yeah. like, I'm fine. <laughs> like, I, even if they sort of use him in a lesser role, I'm just like, it's, you need to give the ball to your best player at times and you need them to sort of create something out of nothing. And I expect Siakam to be that guy. I'm just really interested in watching what OG Ananobi's role looks like next season with this team in a way that satisfies him because, hey, not to rehash trade conversations, but if you're not trading people, I imagine it's because you have the intention to sign them and um, that would mean that this person would be happy with their role and we wouldn't continue to get those leaks um, that have existed for the last three seasons. <sighs> oh, right. I, I think that the satisfaction in his role, again, it's it's one of these things that's unknowable as a fan. You can kind yeah, of true. just, it's, you just, you kind of, we see maybe 1% of everything that happens with the team Yeah. and everything else, you know, it's just inference and, and you know, yeah. speculation from where I sit as a fan. So I, I think what I what I hope to see for OG is, if not that Kawhi Leonard type of role that he may want for himself, I think hopefully okay. enough of that kind of transition where he can he can feel that that fulfillment and that growth where this is a place where he can continue to play, uh, because really the 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 central question of this upcoming season is can Scotty Pascal and OG play together, because. If the answer is yes to that question, you bet you'll you'll be wishing you signed Pascal to an extension for one, and <laughs> and two, you'll really need to make sure you set yourself up to re-sign OG, because if we're still seeing the shakiness that we saw last season, 
again, we're, we're in for, you know, maybe a lot of more talk and speculation at the trade deadline because it's, it's kind of do or die at that point. But no, I, I had considered OG as the most interesting one of the, the season. But I actually, now that you put it that way, I am quite interested because Pascal is a bit of more of a known quantity. Whereas OG, you know, he's younger in his development curve. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him take a bit of a step forward. So, yeah, I'm excited now. I'm trying to talk <laughs> myself into the season, and I will. Yeah, well, <laughs> here's the thing about the Raptors. They're, and I think a lot of people are really down on them, and understandably so. Uh, that mm-hmm. was a disaster season that just happened um, that ended in even more disaster in the offseason. I think the mm-hmm. I think there was that sort of executive voting thing that happens every year, and they asked which team had the worst offseason, and the Raptors ran away with that vote. <laughs> so, um, but fair, it's earned. Hey, um, <laughs> but uh, I, I there there are a lot of there's a lot of talent on this team, and I think that that's mm-hmm. sort of what we keep coming back to. There's a lot of talent. Scotty Barnes, Jakob Pertl, Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi. The reason why in trades these guys are like really coveted assets is because they're very very good. I think you just need some shooting <laughs> to make it all sort of work together. In the same way last season, it was like this could be a really great defensive squad. Look how aggressive mm-hmm. they can play defensively, but it's like that tires guys out over 82 seasons or over 82 games a season, if you have a real defensive anchor and you still have this length on the perimeter, think about how crazy your defense could be. And we saw that when Christian Coloco was at the five, mm-hmm. or we saw that when they finally brought in Jakob Pertl. It's the same thing offensively. There's a lot of talent on this team. They just need something to make it work. And that something could have been Damian Lillard, but it's not. So we're going to move forward and talk mm-hmm. about someone who has been called a hub of this offense. And it's yes. so much more than just the defensive anchor that I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, he signed, so we don't have to worry about him in free agency anymore. That got done. Um, but that's Jakob Pertl. What are your thoughts on, on Jakob Pertl signing the extension that he signed? And um, what are your thoughts on on his role as as an offensive hub for this team? So on the extension, I, you yeah. know, we've, we've there have been a lot of jokes about how James Harden is perhaps the greatest agitator for trades, free agency, whatever in the history of professional sports. You know, he's at the club and they've got the the, the sign that says Daryl Moore is a liar and all of that. And then people have made fun of Damian Lillard for right, you know the, the threats. You know, yeah, he still gets sent to Milwaukee. But further below Damien in the, the power rankings of agitation is Jakob Pertl. There was like a very minor leak that was like, Jakob might leave. And it's like, Jakob's not leaving. What are you talking about? <laughs> he'd give him the number he agreed to. And he's like, oh, thank God, I don't have to move. Like it's, yeah. it's I so I, I'm very pleased. I think it's a very fair contract. Uh, I think he, I, I heard a podcast say he's an average starting center in the NBA. And I think that does him a disservice. I think he yeah. is very clearly, uh, you know, one of the 10 best starting yeah. probably closer to six to 10 in yeah. that range, but serves uh, a very clear role in terms of what I expect from him. I agree with Darko's approach to try to get him more as a passer. Uh, the Raptors with Fred Van Vliet last season after the trade deadline were just spamming pick and rolls with Fred and Jakob and to great success. It made a lot of sense for their team. They had no half court offense that worked. I think by trying to start something from the ground up where Jakob is using his passing talents and also his ability in that sort of short, uh, you know, five to nine foot range to convert will be really exciting. Really when you were talking about what interests you most about this season, 
What interests me most, uh, sort of a big picture, is does Jakob finish games? Because without Fred mm. Van Vliet, there are really only three players, I would say, are guaranteed to close games. Scotty, OG, Pascal. Yeah. And if Jakob is one of those five, it, it's I'm just really interested in that question. Because if the answer yeah. is yes, it probably means they've found something that works well enough offensively. Yeah. Um, to to make it make sense because defensively we we see the impact he has he's an amazing rebounder he's a deceptively good shot blocker despite having t-rex arms and yes. uh i think it's the volleyball parents that he has but um and he's got really good touch really the only thing yeah. i'd love to see him improve uh outside of you know just being able to stay on the floor related to what's well, all to do with stay on the floor fouls and uh, free throws, free throws being the number one. Like if he can hit his free throws, he's an, an excellent starting center in the NBA. And, you know, he's not a superstar or anything, but he serves a role and at a great price. Yeah, I mean, if there's one thing that you would want him to improve on, I would say free throws as well, because he's yeah. going to get there quite a bit. Um, yeah. And he's just, it, it, okay, so um, Darko. I'll give you a did, lot all at once. <laughs> no, the, I'm, and I love it because Jakob, also, I completely agree with you. I'm My brain is jumping right now. Let's start with Darko did a uh, interview yesterday with a kid named Jake on Jake's Takes. Check it out on YouTube. He does great interviews. And um, he mentioned that Jakob Pertl was going to be a hub and use him more in a way that San Antonio did and sort of just operating at the elbow. He's a great passer. And that's something that's like really underrated part. And we talked about the cutting. We talked about Pascal's incredible cutting. These are two guys that have insane chemistry. Um, so even though a lot of people pointed out that, you know, they didn't work a lot last season and I'm interested to see what that fit is. I, I don't know that I buy into that as much. And I think we're probably going to see that at the start of this year. But another thing that we saw last season, as my brain is just, I'm jumping, um, uh, is um, cl- closing games. So I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that because there's, of course, been a lot of talk about what the starting lineup is going to look like. Do you start mm-hmm. Schroeder or do you start Gary Trent Jr., right? Um, and, and I think that that is going to be a question that – probably goes into a good chunk of the season. I don't know that we're going to have the answer before the start of the year, at least one that sort of remains. Um, Interesting, because I actually feel really strongly that Gary Trent really? starts. Yeah, and that's really? not, like, not my personal pride. I just think it's like... I, I just, with every, Yeah, because I think Schroeder, despite being FIBA MVP, world champion... Yeah. <laughs> with that debate... World champion. Them, world champion Dennis Schroeder yeah. and FIBA MVP... Uh, he just isn't a spot up three point shooter. No, at all. No. Um, and Gary Trent Jr. is. Yeah. I also think just dy- like you know interpersonal dynamics wise, I think Gary Trent Jr. was a really good soldier last year and tolerating yeah. a lot of hey Gary you're coming off the bench for a little while or you know you're not good enough defense well all this stuff and I think just giving him a show of good faith of you're starting and also by default that means Scotty is your point guard. And yeah. I think delaying that question of is Scotty a point guard any longer? Like, if, are you setting him up to be the best possible point guard in the world given his skill set and this roster? Probably not, but that's a question for another day. Like, that's it. Anyway, sorry to derail, but that no. like, that question to me is like, that is would answered. be, I, I feel really confident about that personally. I think I've been we're going to start 
No, no, I, I completely agree with you. I think we're going to start with Gary Trent Jr. as the mm. starter. I don't know if that continues on when we're talking mm. about games in December. That's why I say, like, we, we're going to sure. have an answer to start the year off. I don't know if it's going to continue to be the answer as the season progresses. Very interesting. Gotcha. Okay. Sorry to, yeah. Um... No, no worries. That's why I'm like... <laughs> By you know it it might we might get something at the start of the season, but we're not going to have that same answer. I think three quarters into a quarter into mm-hmm. the season or something like yeah. that. Yeah, no, got you. No, I I think with uh, but what you were saying just in terms of the starting versus closing. Yeah, I, there's a there's a huge opportunity for someone on the back of the roster to step in. Yeah, um, to I love that. To Let's step... pivot to the back of the roster. Sure. <laughs> Jakob is such a just I, I I don't have to think about Jakob. He shows up. <laughs> He, he does his job. Yeah. Uh, he'll either miss all of his free throws or hit 70% of them. And that'll, you know, it's it's very temperate climate. It's 15 it, degrees like, to 20 degrees. I still have a trigger warning before we start talking about missed free throws. I don't know if I'm fully <laughs> healed yet. Oh, bro. yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, anyways, well, the, the, another bit of Raptors lore that we have. Um, and another, you know, uh, intergenerational impact of the DeRozan family. You know, yeah. making their impact felt uh, in the Raptors franchise. Now, I, I think with the back of the roster, there's so many players, whether they're beginning their career in Grady Dick, because when I think about who could close games, I you know, based on his skill set and size and all that, I think Grady Dick could be in the mix. Hey, I um, would love that. Yeah. I think based on the sort of, uh, you know, what we've seen career-wise and the trust that this player has with Darko, Dennis Schroeder could really be in the mix to close games as well. Yeah. Um, but the player that I am so excited to see with, you know, a new lease on life, hopefully, is Precious Achua. Yes. I, I, he is a bit of an enigma in the sense that there may not be a better athlete in the whole NBA. Just, yeah. like, just I've never seen someone his size move the way he does with the strength he has. No. It's unbelievable. I think if he wanted to be a decathlete, he could. And go and win some gold medals basketball wise he also has these incredible moments of of talent and skill where you're just like how can this not work eventually and the person and why i'm so excited darko's on the team and the player if not for scotty the player i'm most excited for uh or second most excited i guess then is precious because of the work darko did with jaron jackson jr to sort of instill him with the confidence to take threes to apply the skill he has in his game and while all the while having a, a defensive impact. And yeah. I think if Precious can get to a point where he should, sort of gets all of that, all those disparate pieces together into one package consistently, that could be a huge swing factor for this franchise, not just the season, but for the next five, especially if they are willing to give him an extension. If they if he if they're willing and he agrees to an extension that's you know I think it's gotta uh, be. There's not gonna be a huge market for him and you're losing everybody. Gotta retain someone. Some and you know what? Like if you're gonna be bad next season, like let's say, you know, you you hit the the reset button and Pascal's gone, OG's maybe trade whatever. There are worse players to invest in than Precious Achua. Yeah. He's young, got a lot of skill. Uh yeah. But yeah, Precious to me. He he's the biggest mystery, and I think Darko yeah. is really trying to re- remove the sort of slow monotony of Nick Nurse's offense towards the end, and replacing it with just up tempo, frenetic kind of movement could really support a guy like Precious. 
Because right. when he doesn't think, when he's not processing the game too, like he doesn't have to take in too much, it's and he just makes a quick decision, he's really effective. Incredibly effective. And I'm, I'm glad that you sort of brought up Darko's time in, in Memphis as well, because when I said OG is more than just a 3 and D guy, the first comment that came to my brain was Dylan Brooks saying Darko. Uh, I think, what did he say? Something along the lines of like Darko encouraged him to be more or just like inspired him to be more than just a 3 and D guy and take on other roles. Now OG Ananobi is not um is not Dylan Brooks offensively. <laughs> There's more there for OG Ananobi to do. And I think that like we all know that it's not something that he needs to be told. But um I, I just sort of liked that idea of, hey, we're bringing in this coach that has gone to a guy and was like, nope, you're more than just this. Let's work on mm-hmm. some other aspects of your game. Um because I think it's so important um, when guys just like, you can't just have, I mean, you can, 3D guys are awesome and great, but what separates OG Ananobi from other guys is like, yes, he's going to be one of the best defenders in basketball. Um, and yes, he's going to be one of the best three-point shooters on this team. But if he can improve on those drives, if he can improve on his post-ups, if he can improve in other aspects of his game, we're talking about a star. We're not talking about mm-hmm. uh, a guy who's relegated to a specific role. Um, but back to Precious, I'm, I'm so glad you said that. And I think a lot of, a lot of the sort of issues I had with Precious in particular last season is he is, like you said, one of the most incredible athletes I've ever seen. Um, but that also means that he can do a lot. That also mm-hmm. means he tries to do too much. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and so I, I completely agree with you and he doesn't have to think when it's just sort of instinctual and he just does the next thing. I mean, it's great. Like, this man, didn't he cross up Joel Embiid or something like that in the playoffs? Am I remembering that wrong? But, like, um, maybe I don't want him doing that too much. But um, he's got – he's he's a fantastic cutter, right, just because of his speed, just because of his size, just because of his quickness. And, like, it just – he's – it's mm-hmm. it's not something that defenders can really keep up with. He – don't necessarily like in terms of the three-point shot of course we're going to need everybody to shoot threes but that cannot be precious to role on this team and I think we saw that um I think uh you know defensively he's been fantastic uh also for this team and finding that role for him and sort of what he looks like because in my head and granted my brain for the last few weeks has been processed before the rumors came about my brain has specifically and strictly been processing Damian Lillard on this team and Ojan Anobi possibly not being here and what does Precious Achua look like sort of taking over that mantle so now I've got to redirect uh, a little Mm -hmm. bit and really think about um what Precious looks like on this team as is and I think I think there's a lot of room and it it sounds crazy to say that because I don't know how much room he can sort of take and take that next step if he's not bringing in the shooting, right? Like the difference between 2021, 2022 Precious Achua and 2022-2023 is that three-point shot, but you also don't necessarily want him taking a lot of those. But like, and it's, it's, I look at Chris Boucher Mm -hmm. and I'm like, that was sort of the, you know, Tampa Chris Boucher was a highlight in a, in a dark year because of that three-point shooting. Yep. And then the next season he came in and tried to do it too much. And it was like, no, 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 this isn't your role. It's not working. And when it doesn't go in, it's real bad. But then he found what his role was and he was doing, mm-hmm. he, he was getting on the boards. He was boxing out. He was making right cuts and like 
mm-hmm. also operating, like you said, very quickly. It wasn't like slow and methodical. He he knew what his role was on the court. He didn't try to do anything beyond that. And he was mm-hmm. one of the Raptors' best bench players, best bench producers in that 2021-22 season. And a really big reason for why the Raptors were as successful as they were, despite not shooting the ball, you know, incredibly hot like a pressure situated that season. I need Precious to sort of find that role. I need Precious to sort of play within himself a little bit. Oh, yeah. And I think he can do that when playing with the starters more so than when playing with the bench, which is like another thing. Um, It'll be really interesting to see what a lot of these lineups look like. I would imagine we're going to get a lot of hybrid lineups, especially because, as you mentioned it, all of your shooters are probably coming off the bench. And so you're going to need um, so some hybrid lineups. It'd be really interesting to see that. But the last person I want to talk about, who I think mm-hmm. really needs to develop a three-point shot if he's going to be a part of this rotation. Uh, he has a three-point shot, but I'm saying a consistent one and be one of the team's best shooters. Uh, and that's Malachi Flynn. What are your thoughts mm. on Malachi Flynn and his role with this team? Oh, gosh. Um, uh, I mean, Dennis Schroeder coming in, Uh, can't feel great for Malachi um, because best case scenario, Dennis Schroeder's starting uh, and then you, you have maybe competition for that backup point guard spot, which I would expect to see between him. If Jeff Doughton, whatever his deal is, if he's back, that's another, anyways, that's for another day. Uh, So in terms of what I expect of Malachi Flynn, I'll be honest, I don't expect a whole lot. Yeah. Um, it's it's really hard to carve out a role in the NBA. Uh, he's had three seasons where there have been flashes. I think the closest he probably got was that stretch at the end of the 21-22 season where Fred was you know on and off hurt and Malachi was basically playing 38 minutes a game and his yeah. hamstring was just like, enough. I can't do this yeah. anymore, which you know uh, makes sense given the, the burden. I... In terms of expectations, I, like I said, I don't expect much. I think success for Malachi this year is if he can play a consistent role. If he can, yeah. a successful season for Malachi is, you know, if he can come off the bench for 10 to 12 minutes a game, um, he can be a reliable three-point shooter. I, it doesn't need to be an extraordinary one, but if he comes into the game, he needs to be a threat to knock down a shot. There were yeah. too many times last season where he came into the game uh, to to spell Fred Van Vliet or or to just shake things up, and the ball would swing right over to him, wide open. The defense wouldn't react. The three would go up, and it's like the Carlton from Fresh Prince moment where the ball just sails over the backboard. But for him, it was yeah. clanging off the backboard. Uh, that can't happen. Like he needs yeah. to be able to. And it's is it fair to say at a moment's notice come into a game cold and hit a shot? No, but you know you're a professional for a reason. And yeah. you're four years deep into your career, and that's what it's going to take for you to stick. So that's that's my hope for him. My expectation is um, he probably doesn't do that, but I'm so excited to be proven wrong by him. Yeah. Hey, you um, came in as the best pick and roll guard, of, I think, of your class, and the Raptors need one and have a roller. <laughs> so can can something? I I don't I don't know. Um, but we did get to talk about so. Almost everyone that we mentioned today, outside of Jakob Pertl, who was just a free agent and just signed on, is expiring next season. Mm-hmm. And so these are all, I think, very important guys. That's Pascal Siakam, Oji Ananobi, Precious Achua, and Malachi Flynn. If not just because the Raptors need guys on the team, they've got more depth this season than they do last year, but they need some you need what Precious brings you. Precious is too talented of a person to not continue to develop and find something there. And maybe the Raptors who look to be 
back in de- back in development mode at the very least or investing in development again with Jama Mahalela coming back um and you know Darko talking about it especially focusing on the young guys it seems like development is going to be a key point of this season and so maybe it's not going to be the most amount of wins maybe it's not going to mean a deep playoff run but uh, I think it's going to mean a lot for especially the young guys on the team but hey the team runs the way that OG Ananobi and Pascal do. So thank you so much for joining me to talk about them all. You were great as always. Um, thank you. Please tell the people where they can follow you for some more Pascal propaganda. Right there. I am Twitter only or X, I guess it's called. Uh, we're in the late stage days of <laughs> that platform. Oh God. Yeah, Pascal propaganda, you can find me there. And uh, yeah, I, I really just try to focus on the the fan side of it and t- on top of, you know, just try to get Pascal Siakam awards and hopefully he stays with the Raptors. But for, for fans of the Raptors, if you care about things like the fan experience at games, you know, which tickets are best value, you know, this is a good time of year. Tickets went on sale today. So, um, you know, get excited, buy your tickets. <laughs> um, you know, that's not my job to sell them. So anyways, that's where you can find me, Pascal Propaganda on Twitter. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me and thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode. Bye, everybody.